Hey, Tom here from The Run Testers, and welcome to the third of our monthly podcasts. In this episode, we are going to be talking about all the usual things we talk about, so the running kit that we've been testing, the latest running news, and there's going to be a few more running facts, because we know that you like the running facts. In this episode, we're going to be focusing a little bit more on autumn races. So if you're running a marathon or a half marathon in autumn, this podcast may be useful because we're going to be talking about the training that we're doing and the kit that we're planning to use when we do our marathons. So you might get a little bit of insight into the kit that might work for you for your own races in autumn. We also have an interview with Tom Evans, who will be talking about the various kit that he uses, the training that he does, and how he's been preparing for the UTMB, which he's actually doing at the point of publishing this podcast so we don't know how he's done yet um, it's going to be interesting to find out what happens over there in Chamonix so it's going to be a long one which is probably perfect for you guys that are doing your long runs at the moment you need something to keep you interested over those runs so let's jump in and do the podcast Okay, so we're back with the third Run Testers podcast, and this is going to be slightly different today because we're going to do a bit more of a focus on marathons. A lot of you listening to the podcast will probably be training for marathons at the moment, so we're going to talk a little bit about the kit we're going to be using, a bit about the training, and anything else we can think about that might be useful for your marathon training over the next few weeks. But today I am joined with Nick, who's on all of them so far, and we have a new face or sound on the podcast and that's that's jill now hello <laughs> jill we haven't actually properly introduced you to the listeners yet do you want to just give us a little bit of info on who you are yeah i've just snuck up haven't i i've just started <laughs> appearing randomly i am a marathon lover um basically i like long distance i have the same coach as nick uh, so we can geek out about training which is fun I've got far too many pairs of running shoes already, so it seemed to fit well that I would test shoes for you. Uh, and my day job is working for the BBC. There you go. Plenty of info for listeners to work with now. So there, there you go, listeners. That's that's who Jill is, if any of you were confused when she popped up in videos. Um, well, let's let's start the podcast with the, the way that we normally do, talking about our training at the moment. Now, Jill, you just mentioned that you and Nick have the same coach, and you, I believe you're both training for well nick you're doing two marathons but you're both training for london is that right sort of um, right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so this is where so nick you're training for berlin aren't you i am yeah which is a week before london and then i'm gonna run london i, I mean our coach andy's i don't think he's delighted i'm doing that but uh he's a he's, he's signed up for that a while because i don't ever want to miss a london because it's, it's local isn't it exactly and so i'm training for valencia um, which is quite a long time after London, um, mm. but I'm also running London <laughs> and basically persuaded our coach Andy that it was fine as well. And Nick is, uh, unbeknown to him, pacing me at London, um, regardless <laughs> of how you do in Berlin. Um, so, I mean, do, do we want to drop the bombshell about what Andy's plans are for us now? I was, telling, I was <laughs> telling it, Andy, you, you won't know this, Tom, actually you don't know this, but Andy doesn't really give your marathon-like target quite near the race. So mm. as the Andy veteran, uh, I get all the questions from all the people who haven't run a marathon before. Go, well, when is he going to tell me how fast I'm running? It's like, well, he, he won't, basically, <laughs> I'm afraid, until we was quite near the time. But yeah, he'll give you the information at some point. Well, I would like him to call me first. <laughs> oh no no you're getting me through halfway at one thirty, and then we're winding it up from there apparently oh yeah oh he loves a wind up um, so there we go that'd be Just fine so you know i, I could probably so do don't that. overdo it in berlin <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll ease off <laughs> no pbs not allowed <laughs> nick what's your aim for berlin well i haven't got it exactly from andy yet but like he um 
I, I personally would just like a PB. I'd probably be going out. I think I'm just going to go on pace and try and run under 3.30 per K at a reasonably comfortable level, hopefully, for quite a long time and see. Uh, that's what I was doing in London and I had a bit of a weird thing in the last 10K there. So I'm hoping I'll carry it all the way through and get like a 2.26, 2.27 if a bit of a speed up. But I'm also doing Valencia now, by the way. I've got, I've got my place for the waiting list. So that's my oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You might be doing too many marathons. Well, I'm only doing... Valencia's no, quite a long way off London. <laughs> uh, how about you, Jill? What sort of ballpark are you aiming for at, uh, well, London or Valencia? So London, just anything under three, I guess. It's kind of a, a, a sort of a long, hard training run, um, I think. Valencia, I'm a, I'd like a PB. My current is 253.22. So, I mean, really, I'd like to upgrade that to a two, something beginning with a 2.4. Um, but nice. that's, you know... We like to stretch goals, right? <laughs> so yeah, two forty nine, fifty nine would be uh, would be my ideal. Well, not my ideal. I mean, faster than that would be my ideal. But yeah, well, that, that, yeah, that would be fastest marathon I've done Valencia. I haven't done Berlin yet, to be fair. But yeah, have, have, have you not done Valencia yet, uh, Jill? I've done Valencia and Berlin before. Um, uh, I would okay. say, I think Valencia is maybe a faster course just because it's wider. And yeah, I don't know. Berlin obviously is super flat. You'll, you, however flat a marathon, you'll always find an incline somewhere. So that there is some bits where you feel like you're going uphill. I just think Berlin as a city is is wonderful, but there's not that much to on the route to lift you out if you're having any kind of struggles. Whereas Valencia, there are moments where you can kind of have something to to lighten your your mind. But if you're having a really good day at Berlin, it's a perfect place to like dial in and get it going. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just remember on a nice time at a bar on the beach with Nick. Like, Valencia, when we, when we that, was, that was lovely. That was my first marathon with Andy Valencia, and it was a massive progression run. It was it was the best I've ever felt in a marathon, uh, I have to say. <laughs> he started really relaxed and just went through the gears. So, lovely. So, are you two you, both... Sorry? <laughs> yeah. I think we should feel like we have, we've left you out, Tom. What, how's your marathon training going? Tough. <laughs> Tough. Well, I'm, I'm still on the, the Steph 12 one-track club plan. and. Okay. The mileage is really increasing quite a lot at the moment, and uh, probably probably more than I'm I'm ready for. So there's a lot of interval sessions, quite a, a long interval sessions. Is, Sorry, <laughs> there's a lot of complaining. Is what there is in the in the group. Every I, time. I am I am complaining quite a bit about <laughs> uh, the training, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's going well. It's quite difficult to me to. I've never followed a plan before, so I, I'm wanting a sub three in Chicago, but I've got absolutely no idea what what pace I'm at. We've been, been training at RPE for two months so I've, i don't really know how fast i'm going i've not really been gauging it so yeah i've got a few races coming up 5k next week 10k the week after and then the half marathon with you nick yeah i've convinced tom to come out to pleshy half the big one in essex which is mm. also the essex half marathon champs and my club yeah. champs so even though it's only two weeks before berlin i insisted that i was allowed to do it because my club champs but i don't think i'll be allowed to actually race it and if i get into a race with a club colleague i'm worried that andy will basically ditch me forever <laughs> well just, just stay away from me i don't want you come anywhere near me trying to <laughs> come to you so somebody's gone terribly terribly wrong <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the um hardest thing about the following a plan or the kind of the rigidity of a plan the bits i find difficult are in fact in fact it's not necessarily following our plan it's following this plan um <laughs> it's not it's quite strict in terms of what runs i've got to do each day and I can always do the runs, but I have to sort of bu- like balance them around a bit. So sometimes I move them around a little bit. And that causes a problem because that means that they're not quite like the best run for the time because I might have done a long run 
on Sunday and I have to play around with the run on Monday. So I end up being quite tired for that run. So yeah, it's, it's I've just I'm not just not just using a plan. I, I, I'm happy with the high mileage. It's just I like to do it around my own time as opposed to strictly following something. So that's a bit I'm struggling with. And the long runs I always struggle with just because they take up a lot of time. I spoke to Tom about this, and I was saying, oh, you know, it's the first time he's really followed a strict plan, and you know, sessions all the time, the mileage is adding up. I go, so I was hoping maybe I'd get a little bit more respect because I've been doing that for like five years, but he just basically <laughs> accused me of being a maniac. So, uh, well, yeah, yeah, it goes one of two ways, doesn't it? Either people are like, oh my goodness, you're amazing that you do this, this is incredible, or they just go, you're an idiot, why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I, I think mean, we're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I'm quite looking forward to doing this plan and then maybe because I've never done a plan before because I, I can properly sort of work out my next plan that I do for another marathon as opposed to just going in blind because I know the bits the, the way that I like to train now so I can probably focus on choosing a plan that works for me I think the really um, big bit for you will be the next few weeks when you when you beat your PBs at all three distances which is what I expect to happen quite comfortably I think you'll um be a bit more excited about the plan and the plans in general well we'll we'll see don't get don't get your hopes up <laughs> um all right well i think we talked about our training plans enough and uh, i know you're desperately waiting for the first running pack <laughs> running, running <laughs> so uh here we go this is actually given to me by a friend of mine andrew uh stevens and he gave me this fact and i've checked that this fact does exist it's not just he was in the pub <laughs> and he came with uh, his own fact but apparently runners used to drink champagne as an energy drink. And that's back in Victorian times because they thought alcohol was a performance enhancer. One of the Olympic marathons was famous for it, wasn't it? And they took strychnine, rat poison at the same time, I think. Oh, Jill, there's a level of, of knowledge I get from these facts and I don't delve in too far to not these couple of sentences. That might that might be the case. Um, the, the one Olympic marathon that reading the history of is like reading the script of like uh, like a Will Ferrell um, movie. Mm. Uh, and I'm amazed it hasn't been made. And it's, there's only one person finished and there was like so yeah. many just random things happened in it. Oh, it's worth digging out. I can't remember. It's, that's the early 1900s. Is it, the one, is it not the one that... Is it like 1903 or something, I think? Um, or not not the one that finished at White, White City? Um, no, where the, no, it, it was, was America. The that became 26.2. No, no, it wasn't. No, it was it was in America. And it, it was... it was It's utterly... Like, you read it and it's, it is like a cast of characters from like an ensemble comedy film. They're all doing ridiculous things. Lots of cheating. Uh, like, like Roadrunner style. Like, no, what's it called? Wacky Racers. Um, mm-hmm. Plus the fact that they weren't allowed to drink or something and it was ridiculously hot. So they all like nearly died. Or yeah, it's, it, it, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah, well, um, there's, a second, there's a second bit to this fact as well. And they apparently uh, also took drugs, heroin and cocaine to enhance their performance. I don't know like, if that's true. I imagine it probably didn't enhance their performance, but that is true. That was one of my uh, former editor's favourite things was about all pretty much all drugs were were prescribed by doctors early on as performance enhancers, including heroin and cocaine and everything. There we go. Inside knowledge (laughs) on these facts actually, for once, has some sort of grounding. You could just have a beer marathon and a cider marathon and a wine marathon, but Mm. not for performance enhancing. No, different reasons. Right. So another one of those shortly. Uh, so stay tuned for that and then I suppose we need to bit of an update on Kieran so Kieran's nearly done he's nearly finished his Danube challenge Um, I think he's got well when we're at the point of talking now he has got six days left and he's done he's done his full done the whole length of the Danube Um, so yeah expect next next month uh, an interview with him on the podcast to talk through it all. But I also imagine plenty of videos and things coming on. But if you want to find out what's happening in the final 
few days of the challenge, then over to Man V Miles. And also he's raising money for a number of charities. So if you, well, I'll put the link in the caption for the video or the podcast episode, um, but he's, he's raising money for Starfish, Great Hearts Foundation, Save the Children, UNICEF UK, Magic Breakfast and the Farah Foundation. So get over there and support those charities and Kieran. I won't talk too much more about Kieran now because we'll be talking with him quite a lot when he gets back. So, um, okay, so let's talk running news. Now we've got, well, both of you know a lot more than me, than I do about running news. Uh, so so uh, I won't have a clue about any of these things. But let's just, just, just give a bit of an, a taste, a bit of an overview to the listeners on what is happening in the world of running. Jill, we've had the European Athletics Champs. Anything interesting going on there? Yep. There was quite a fun finish for the men's marathon. There's a guy called Richard Ringer from Germany, who all the commentators had said that the winner was going to be uh, the Israeli Maru Teferi. And then he absolutely smashed the final 200 metres and, uh, and and just came storming by, which is quite fun. So, yeah, two European Athletics Champs. Obviously, loads of stories going on there. And also Commonwealth before that as well. Interest trainer-wise, mainly ASICs on the winning line there. There is UTMB going on at the moment as well. Oh, um, yes. Everyone knows about it. It seems to have gone... I remember maybe five, six years ago, UTMB was still a little bit of a... You know, the trails runners went out there and you saw a bit about it. But now it's like everyone's there this week. Everyone just there. constant posts about it. It seems <laughs> incredible. Including Tom Evans coming up on this very podcast. Including Tom Evans, who is, is shortly <laughs> coming up on this podcast. So stay tuned for that as well. Nice uh, exclusive interview with him about his training and uh, his kit. So that should be good. I feel um, like we're in that Alan Partridge episode where he keeps saying Roger Moore's coming. And <laughs> <there we go. laughs> so UTMB, I, I, as I said, I don't know too much about it. Are you keeping keeping track of it all, Jill? I am embarrassingly ill-informed about it tomorrow. I'm afraid uh, at the moment. I'm afraid. I think does the actual main race? I think kicks off tomorrow. Friday, uh, yeah, yeah. Friday. I saw everyone saw Ben Parks and people picking up their their kit and their, their bibs and stuff today. So and they were looking ready. So yeah, sounds yeah. like it. Mike's out there right him. now. Yes, he is. Yeah, <laughs> seems to be enjoying himself. He's not running it. Nah, just watching. <laughs> just watching with a beer. But yeah, it's. Uh, I'd love to go out sometime, but um, I don't think I'd race and do any races. Either of you ever harboured a bit of excitement for taking part in UTMB? No. <laughs> i can't do um i mean i've You're saying done that because andy's listening <laughs> no I, I i don't do heights really like i i used to live in the pool and did some treks in himalayas and it was just scared like it was really beautiful but i was like not very happy because i was constantly getting vertigo and i don't think running through the night in those conditions is a is a good idea so probably not no. probably not for me <laughs> jill you're not interested yeah no I, I was for quite a while i started doing a bit of ultras and stuff i'm awful at at hills so that's probably not a great idea for me they have just with my um women's runner particular hat on they have now allowed for um pregnancy recovery deferrals mm. which they were really strict on not doing before so that's good mm. um, two years as well which yeah. is quite i think yes because <laughs> one year yeah. might not help that much uh, <laughs> not, not, not so much <laughs> yeah. um all right well time for another running fact uh, before we move on to the next section running, running facts, facts. Running outside at the same pace uh, as if you're on a treadmill uh, burns more calories due to air resistance. Mm. Thoughts on that? I mean, it sounds logical. As people always say you should put them at like 0.5 or 1 or 1. 1.5 to simulate air resistance, but I find that 
puts quite a lot of strain in your body in a weird way because you're running on a constant incline so it's also someone pointed out to me the other day that actually most treadmills are never going to be completely flat anyway they will always have a slight incline because of the way they're set up Um, Mm. so it's rare to have so actually you have to have special little shoes to put your treadmill on if you want it to be pancake flat (laughs) there you go i'm full of dull facts (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wasn't expecting that 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 insight into treadmills (laughs) build um But it sounds plausible to me, but just very, very minimal to the point where it's just almost irrelevant. Uh, I can't imagine many people really picking up a lot of extra speed on a treadmill because they've not got uh, a little bit of air. I don't. I admit, I don't. I do not. I don't trust treadmills if I run good sessions on them. I basically, I don't let. I don't let myself count them until I do them on the road. Really? <laughs> I've got a bit of a thing about it where it's just. I, I'm. I'm with. I'm with you on that one. I don't trust treadmill. <laughs> See, I think mentally mentally treadmill is hard, so it's good mental training. It is well, unless you put Seinfeld on or something, then it's a bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, the mental stuff's different, isn't it? Because you might be, you might actually find it. You might really like that mental side of it. You might not like being outside and doing it. So it's sort of your mm. your, yeah. your preference. But I think that the way that you actually run on a treadmill is probably certain elements of it that make it easier on various parts of the body. I don't know. That's really yeah. weird. That's also not a fact. it's hard for niggles. I think because if you have got a small thing, you land that you're landing in the same way every single time. I think you can exacerbate. Yeah. So I, I don't. I, Basically, I really like using them, especially in the winter. And then when it's night, I don't like running outside in the dark. So I find it easier on a treadmill. But yeah, I, I, I can't do it too much because I basically don't trust the results. All right. Well, more of those in a bit. Right. That's it for the intro. So, Tom Evans, welcome to the Run Testers podcast. You're our first guest on the podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. I'm super excited. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. An honour to be the first guest. Perfect. That's exactly what I, what I wanted to hear. Um, well, you're you're a man that I think all the listeners will know of very well. You've got many many achievements under your belt. You've you've got the UTMB, CCC, the Trail Running World Championships, Western States 100, Tawawera Ultra. Is it? I don't know too much. Yeah, about that one. good pronunciation. Yeah, <laughs> Coastal Challenge, Costa Rica. You're also an ambassador for loads of brands, including and a very exciting new partnership with Sun God uh, that's just happened. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about Kit later on and, and, and Sun God. But first, let's jump in and start to talk about your plans at the moment and, and where you're at with your, your, your running career. So I suppose probably the biggest thing that you've been in the, the media for in, in recent months is your injury. That, that happened uh, a while ago. We'll delve into that in a little bit, but for now, because at the, the time that people will listen to this, let's talk UTMB, because you will, by the time people listen to this, have done the UTMB. Um, that's, a, that's a scary thought. <laughs> well, yeah, I just I only just realised I was going to ask some questions about how you're preparing, but um, we, can, we can delve into that now. But you've actually done the UTMB CCC before. What made you decide to do the full UTMB? Good question. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to do CCC, which is the 100k distance twice now in 2017, 2018. And yeah, I kind of feel like where I am in my career, I, yeah, I'm more excited about the longer races. Sort of for me, the 100 mile distance, it's, yes, it's still intimidating and there is more scope for things to go wrong. But yeah, for me, it's, yeah, it makes it more of an adventure. I love 100k you can it's gonna sound bad you can kind of get away with yes you've obviously got to do a lot of training but it's for me 10 hours which is which is a long time but i've done training runs in the last block that have been the same time 
yes, they've not been as long, but it's relative. It's all still time on feet. And whereas UTMB is going to take 20 hours. So it's, yeah, it, it's super exciting. And I think for me, yeah, UTMB is, is a race that even before I started running, it's something I'd heard of and I knew about. And yeah, I think it's just, it is the equivalent of the Super Bowl of trail running, which, yeah, I think is getting to line up against the best ultra trail runners in the world is, yeah, truly, truly exciting. And are you feeling prepared? Yeah, I think so. I sort of, sort of should have been more confident. Yes, very prepared. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, there's, you, there's no such thing as a perfect build-up. It doesn't exist. Could I have run more miles and done more climbing? Yes. But at what cost would that have come? Am I, touch wood, 100% injury and niggle free? Yes. Am I in a good place mentally? Yes. Am I in a good place physically? Yes. My Garmin says that I am. So I'll listen to, I'll listen to that. Um, and yeah, I, and, I, and I feel good and I'm excited. I'm not burnt out. I've gone into races where I've done too much training and I'm, I'm sort of just looking forward to getting it over so it's over. Whereas with this, I'm genuinely super excited about racing and yeah, just really, really looking forward to it. Brilliant. And is there a, a part of the actual course that you've been focusing on mentally is there is there something about it that you're either worried about or excited about i think good question again i think yeah i think for me there are three different phases of utmb so the first three to four hours so you start at 6 p.m the first phase before it gets dark is just carnage there's people running way too fast and it's just really stressful you can't get in your stride there's too many people you're probably outside of your comfort zone because you want to be with the front group and it's all, you sort of see it in track racing when it, the group all comes together and that's when people then fall over and things start to go wrong. So yeah, I think there's that phase, which is the first phase, which I'm physically will be the easiest because you'll be the least tired, but mentally will be tough in its own way. And then, yeah, I'm then just, just super excited about it getting dark and putting my head torch on and getting through the night. I've spent, countless countless nights out whether sort of running or in the military so I am comfortable in the night and it's sort of yeah it's a real adventure and yes the most beautiful parts of the course you go through when it's dark so you don't see but yeah I'm just looking forward to getting into into my rhythm there and mentally I know I know I will really really struggle it sort of probably between like 3 a.m and 5 a.m from yeah that's just when you're you're most tired and it's the coldest and the darkest, but you know that it's going to get better. So for me, yeah, I guess I've sort of been focusing on that and what I'm going to say to myself when I get there and sort of visualizing getting through that part. And yeah, and then the, the sun then comes up, hopefully, or at least it gets light, whether there's any sun, who knows. And then, yeah, and then sort of from there, it, yeah, you're sort of magnetic field just being drawn to Chamonix. So yeah, I think, yeah, it's super exciting. And it meant, yes, it's not going to be easy. And I, I know it's going to be tough physically and mentally. And I think once, you, once you've genuinely accepted that it's not going to be easy, there'll be times where you don't want to be there and your mind will play tricks on you. Once you've accepted that, great. Because when it then happens, which it will, you're then prepared for it. Yeah, brilliant. I'm very looking forward to, much looking forward to cross-checking this interview 
after you've done it to see uh, yeah. what 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 points um, you did find tricky. Let's let's chat chat about injury. This is something that probably most of the people that are listening to this podcast have probably dealt with at some point, but probably not at your level. It was it was such a debilitating thing for you when it happened. And over the past few months, uh, obviously in the run up to to UTMB, you've 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 you're you're back. You've 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 sort of dealt with that. What what was it like going through that, uh, getting injured at the, what is essentially the peak of your your training? Yeah, it was super tough. Yeah, both mentally and physically, obviously, really tough. So yeah, I had surgery. Gee, it's now the the 17th of August now I had my surgery on the 12th of August last year so just over a year ago now and yeah I was on crutches for two months and in pain for about the same amount of time and yeah lots of hard work and there'll be points where you couldn't see any progress but then you would let a week happen and then you'd look back at what you did and you're like oh well I can do so much more so there is progress and I wrote everything down that I did And at points, it was really demotivating because you were doing exactly the same as you were doing three, four, five days ago. But you fast forward a month and you look back and you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe I'm doing what I'm doing now because a month ago, back then, it seemed like that was so far away and so out of reach. Yeah, and then mentally, I just had so much time. Like, I like training. I love training. And I I train a lot. I probably average 25 hours a week of training. And doing my rehab I was probably averaging five six hours a week maximum in the early stages so you had all of this time and I sort of saw it as this is at the beginning I saw it as this is time where I'm not training and I'm not running and then I was being with my sports psychologist it was a okay yes it is but don't look at it like that see it is instead of this is time that you should be training see this is this is time that you have got that you would never normally have so use it go do something with it whether it's within sport or outside of sport and yeah and so for me that was that was really liberating and just that tiny sort of change of mindset that actually um, I sort of felt blessed that I had so much free time that I could go and do I could go and go and do so much yeah and that yes it was tough and then yeah sort of you then just take small small steps and follow the advice and listen to your body and do all the little things and yeah they're sort of the big things then take care of themselves and yeah I was back running pain-free and 100% body weight middle of December so yeah it was a it was a pretty it was actually a pretty quick turnaround and I think sort of for me it was obviously yeah yes I'm incredibly a lot of people will think oh you're incredibly fortunate to be a professional athlete you've got the support around you but just because you're a professional athlete, it doesn't mean that the support sort of just forms around you and you've got this bubble. I've spent years building this support bubble. I dread to think how many different physios and sports masseurs I've seen until I've, until it's taken me to find the right ones. Um, yeah. And you then find the right ones and you're like, and it might they might be the best in the world, but if they're not the best in the world for you, then that's not right. So yeah, I was incredibly fortunate. And then yeah, I went out to Austria, to Red Bull, so from three weeks, my return to running, and I've been there fairly recently as well. And yeah, it's just working with people who genuinely want the best for you and have got no angle. They just want you back. So yeah, it was yeah. it was nice to sort of pass off some responsibility and yeah, some accountability, which I think, yeah, just mentally let me sort of relax and cool, just keep ticking the boxes, just get it done, just keep going, keep going. And 
yeah, you'll get there at the end. And yeah, here I am now, 12 months ahead, talking about like, geez, 12 months ago, I couldn't walk. Matey, and, and how does that, I mean, you, you, you've been a quite high level athlete from quite a young age. Going through an injury like that, how has it affected your mindset on racing and trading and, and, and just life even? Yeah, I think it's just, it's just being smarter and not being, if, if something hurts, it's not going to get better on its own. And I think there's a lot of people who will feel something and think, oh, is this, is this something or is it something else? Oh, I'm not sure. Take a day off. Just rest. Yeah. Like if you feel, if the quicker something comes on, the quicker it can leave. But if you try and push through it and poke at it and spend hours and hours and hours foam rolling it and prodding it, it's just not going to get any better. Sometimes you've just got to say, and it's that to be able to relax and be like, right, I'm not going to run for three days. doesn't matter. You're not going to lose. Yes, you might feel a bit sluggish when you get back running. But you're not going to lose any fitness in three days. You're not. You're barely going to lose any fitness in, and this is speaking for, yes, you might lose one or 2%, which if you are racing in the Olympic 1500 meter finals, yes, one, two, three percent is a lot. But for an ultra runner or for a social runner, one percent is nothing well done you're going to run 12 seconds slower at park run this week because you missed three days of running well yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter and it, it, and then you're injury free and running there are so many people who will say oh yeah this is a bit niggly or oh, this is a bit sore and i've touch wood i haven't had anything like that like if i did a sort of a body check now i genuinely feel 100 percent, and that's I, there was such a long time where I had pain and I just thought, oh no, well, I'll get physio on it and I'll ice it and I'll do this on it or whatever. But yeah, it just doesn't, sometimes you've just got to embrace it and say like, right, I'm injured, fine. Yeah. When, once you've said that and once that's done, it's then easy. Whereas just trying to convince yourself that you're not, um, you then just sort of prolong the whole experience, which is pretty miserable. So is, would you say that at, your, at the point that you've had it, it's actually probably a positive thing in that you've been given opportunity to learn about how to deal with injury and things, but also you've had a, almost like a second chance to go back and you can carry on doing it at, at oh, a high level? 100%. Like I just not, did I, it, yeah, I don't see it as failure or anything. I just see it as just the most incredible lesson that I can now learn and have learned mm. and hopefully can try and show people that, actually you don't have to you don't have to do everything in this of these sort of run every day streaks people do for a year it's like well it's just not if you're genuinely a performance athlete that's just not it's just not going to help and that yeah resting is the most important part of training and whether that's actually taking a full rest day or sometimes if i'm in a high volume block we might say okay well we're not actually going to take a rest day but we're going to do run a run on thursday morning before breakfast and then we're not going to run until Friday afternoon, Friday evening. So you've had 36 hours of recovery. So you've given yourself a recovery day without taking a day off. And yeah, and it's just, and again, if you want to run every day, that's great. But maybe you need to manipulate things like that to give your body that extra bit of extra bit of recovery. And I know this is a sort of a kit podcast, but sleep is just the kit bits of recovery boots and massage guns and things is the that stuff's the tip of the iceberg and actually nail your sleep don't worry about the marginal gains the one percenters the two percenters worry about the 
20 30 percenters which is sorting your sleep out and yeah that was for me that was huge brilliant well that perfectly leads on to my next question which is about kit we we obviously run testers we test out so much kit for running and and trail running as well how important as you sort of mentioned it there let's ignore the fact that sleeping things are obviously more important but actually getting your kit right how how important is it for you when you're training and racing it's super important i see there are two different factors when you're racing there are the controllable factors and then there are the uncontrollable factors and with the controllable factors which is your kit I can choose what I'm going to wear. So then you then take 100% responsibility for your kit, for things being the right size or being the right material and fitting. And yeah, te- and that might take time. You might have to test lots of different bits of kit, but you have, you're able to take 100% responsibility for that. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's super important. And what works for, what works for one person may not work for another person. And yeah, it does take time, but there's a lot of info out there. And the key thing is just try until you find something that something that you like and then and something that works for you. And yeah, then use that rather than thinking, oh, well, this person uses this, so I'm going to use it because it's great. Well, no, listen to what I'm saying. Take the advice, but go try it. And I would like, to, like I'm a genuine bloke that I'm not going to say, oh yeah, use this. It's great. And have a sort of backhand sort of wad of cash given to me like I, that just doesn't one I don't think it happens two if it did happen I would never do it because I genuine the stuff that I say that I use and I use I genuinely use and I'm a performance driven athlete and I use it for the performance and yes I've got some great kit sponsors and everything which is amazing but if I wasn't sponsored by them I'd be buying their products anyway. Cool. Well, let's let's. Uh, I've got a couple of questions for you on the exact kit you use, but let's talk Sun God. You're obviously running in a lot of places that it's sunny. It's it, you, you need to have sunglasses. Why? Why Sun God? What are you using those for? Yeah, I think I've I've sort of been around the houses on sort of all of different glasses, and yeah, and I, I think for me the two biggest important things for sunglasses in a performance way is one how they fit and how comfortable they are and two the lenses so with sun god if we start with the fit ends so i say the ultras for example which is what i'm wearing for me the fit is perfect super lightweight frame sits really nicely on my face you almost don't know that you're wearing them and then which is exactly how it should feel it's an it wants to be an extension of your body and then the lenses, just the lens quality. When I am tired and I'm going down a descent after running for eight, nine, 20 hours, you want to be able to see properly. And for me, if you can get any help by doing that, that is, that is huge. And for me, with, yeah, with the Sun God lenses, it is like the sort of clarity that you get from them is genuinely second to none and i've run a lot of different glasses and just for me it's just an absolute game changer that yes are they going to help me run a quicker 5k on the road maybe maybe not but for me as an ultra distance runner just an absolute game changer that i have so much more confidence i then have to i'm then stressing less because i can see better and then yeah you end up 
running being able to run way more relaxed which is yeah going to be way better for you so yeah for me it's just an absolute game changer that's uh, it's so I, I if i even if i do a park run in a pair of sunglasses that just don't feel quite right on the eyes like the, the lighting isn't quite right i can find it so annoying just for that short yeah. distance so for for you doing utmb it's, it's got to be perfect hasn't it exactly yeah, yeah exactly so no i i am incredibly fortunate and yeah it's been yeah it's been a really cool journey so far with the team and yeah sort of watch this space for uh for some very cool stuff coming in the pipeline soon and shoes what have you decided to use for the race do you Ooh, know top secret top secret oh, yes okay. i do know i do know uh so i'm an adidas terex athlete and i was in the early designing stages of the speed ultra here's one i made earlier uh mm-hmm. which is this shoe um which was released properly in 2019 but yeah i'm wearing a yeah a shoe that is in development at the moment and have been working hand in hand with the sort of performance team at Adidas Terex for this shoe. Uh, I raced it in Madeira um, and I've done a lot of training in it. And yeah, it's just, yeah, it's very, I can't say too much, but yeah. <laughs> we'll, it's, we'll, it's we'll look forward to seeing the, uh, the, the, your social posts to find out what Exa- exactly yeah. it is. Yeah, exactly. And if you look through my social posts, you will see some close ups of it. So yeah. Very exciting. I just can't, I can't talk too much about it. Well, well, we'll talk to you about that a little bit more in future. Okay, let's talk tech. Your watch. How important is your running watch for you in both training and your racing? It's super important. And yeah, I've been lucky enough to be a Garmin athlete for a couple of years. I sort of, and I'd used Garmin before and I was sort of always using the Forerunner series. And then when I then got into longer distances, I then started using the Fenex series. And then now, yeah, I've been using the Enduro now for a couple of weeks. I have not charged it and it has still got, 45 hours left on oh, it. Do you? Um, <laughs> just not having to yeah so i think yeah the the tech is super important i think sort of for me with the enduro key features without sort of doing a sales pitch the things that are genuinely useful for me there's a lot of tech on it that i will never use but some people will find really useful for me the battery life is a game changer i don't have to worry about charging it charge it once a month great easy and then the climb pro yes. is just an app it's just an absolute game changer especially in the mountains where it's dark you don't know how much longer you've got cool i've got another 4k and a thousand meters of climbing i say easy not easy but at least you know i'd rather know than not know and yeah it just just helps keep you safe and it, it is that genuinely that companion and yeah it's then got all the standard garmin things that you'd expect sort of maps and routing and navigation and monitoring your sleep and all of that stuff is is great but for me similar with sun god it is it fit for purpose yes is it is it comfortable and do i know it's on my wrist yes it's comfortable no i don't know it's on my wrist super lightweight it's just an incredible watch that i can't imagine i got almost i almost feel like garmin have shot themselves in the foot slightly because once you have this watch you just don't need another one like what what more could you want and you compare it to sort of apple when they were releasing phones sort of oh this time it's uh we'll put a camera on the this good camera and you can have it with this and then next time it's uh okay well we've upgraded the camera and now i'm like i just can't i just can't see what needs could ever possibly need to be upgraded which i think is a yeah is a huge huge compliment well you're you're not alone uh we're that the enduro's got quite a few fans in the run testers so um yeah we're uh, we're big fans of 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 those watches okay and then and then just last bit on 
on UTMB, how are you fueling for it during the race? Do you have a, do you have a plan set up to carry you through it? Yeah, so we've been working and developing on a slightly higher carbohydrate um, plan than what use of science used to say, oh, so about 70 grams of carbs an hour. And we're sort of working more of, sort of 90 to 100 grams of carbohydrate per hour. And yeah, I've sort of, my sort of predominant fueling is with Morton. Yeah, Morton sort of for the carbohydrate and then Red Bull for sort of the caffeine. And um, for me, yeah, it's incredibly important to get sort of the combination of carbohydrate and caffeine right. So aiming to take in and around 100 grams of carbs, and that will be a mixture of sports drinks, gels, bars, and as well as some real food. I have a meal when I get to call my ear at sort of early hours of the morning, just something hot. What it is is some slightly TBC, but um, it'll be something sort of particularly boring, but at least it'll be hot. And then, yeah, and then just using a, yeah, using a, a fairly aggressive caffeine strategy during the race, especially during probably starting at about midnight to, to get me sort of through the stage that I will find the most miserable. And then it will then, one, it will sort of give me that sort of mental alertness, but then also just that sort of bit more pop in your step and, there's a lot of sort of semi-technical descents that you need to be aware for and you need your reaction times need to be a bit quicker. And for me, that's what, that's what the caffeine, that's what the Red Bull does. So yeah, pretty simple, nothing, no rocket science, just rocket fuel. Uh, mm. And yeah, it's just, just, Brilliant. it's like a, it's like a big picnic. <laughs> well, it sounds like you got it all sorted. Let's talk just finally a little bit about plans coming up. There was a point in the past couple of years where you were actually focusing on road marathons uh, you were looking at at tokyo but then obviously in, injury happened is that something that you might go back to or have you got a set guide that you're just going for these sort of utmb races now i think never say never do i think i'll race on the road again yes do i think i will aim for paris 2024 no but does watching big championship marathons excite me yes so yeah i think just Play it by ear. My my big focus, my big goal is the ultra distance trail running, and I want to be. I really want to hit my potential at that, and I don't think you can hit your potential at road marathoning and ultra trail running at the same time. If I was ten years younger, maybe maybe you could do spend a couple of years doing one, and then a couple of years doing the other. But now, sort of, I'm sort of in the yeah, in the sort of a really important phase of my career where I really want to stay settled and yeah, see what I can achieve. See what I can achieve there. But yeah, I'm going to do lots of sort of feel that my recovery from UTMB this year will be, I will do lots of cycling. So yeah, maybe a bit of, maybe a bit of bike racing uh, okay. might be, might be next, but um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. I, li- I like setting goals and yeah, you've got to listen to your body after, after these big races and yeah, next year will be a, not a UTMB year, but a Western States year. Amazing. Well, th- thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. There's so much information there to, to go through. And as I say, by the time people are listening to this, you'll have done it. So people will know how you've done it. Um, we, can, we can skip to the bit now. This is Tom's <laughs> result. Um, but but for now, out halfway. Uh, good yeah. luck in the race. And thank you so Perfect. much for joining us. Brilliant. No, thank you very much. And yeah, keep up, keep up the great work at the Runchesters. Okay, guys into the the meat of the podcast different gear where we talk about kit that we've tested and kit that we're about to test um, so let's dive straight in and i know nothing about this piece of kit 
the Garmin Enduro 2. Nick, you've been testing this, haven't you? Big boy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically a Phoenix 7X Plus or Phoenix 7X Ultra. It's, it's got all the same features as the Phoenix and the Epics with an even bigger battery, basically, and then some yellow accents around the side to make it look a bit different to the Phoenix. It's a, it's a nice watch, lovely watch. I mean, I like all the same things I like about it. I like all the same things about it as I liked about the Phoenix 7X. You know, big battery, great features. Still prefer the screen on the Epics myself, but obviously this is going to last. So I think it's going to last probably two and a half, three weeks, even with fairly high mileage weeks, and that's pretty good obviously if you're a triathlete you'll get through it a lot quicker because once you start cycling you start rinsing the battery a bit more but um yeah i think it's you know it's, it's another good watch from garmin i've had some weird gps stuff with it but um i'm not sure that's a you know indicative of any underlying problems i think it's just had a couple of random runs where it's had the right gps track but slightly offset which always looks a bit crazy on strava so yeah i mean there's there's really nothing new about it that's the thing it's a it's an interesting launch from garmin where there's basically where we made a the last enduro didn't have maps and music and everyone complained and so they put maps and music on it and gave it all the same features as the Phoenix and made it a little bit more expensive. So it just acts as an extension of that line now, which will be very welcome to people who are running for extremely long times because, you know, in GPS only mode, it can last 150 hours in the sun, that kind of thing. So that's great. Uh, but if you're someone who runs for marathons and doesn't run longer than three hours, I don't use that very much. So so why would you... I, interesting, because I, I never tested the previous Enduro and, mm. I, and my friend asked me, what's the difference between the Enduro and the Enduro 2? You've just answered that. Um, yeah. but i didn't know seems like a, a strange difference in the functionalities that those those two watches have got and how how yeah. much is the enduro 2 it's quite expensive it's like it's 930 or 40 and then over a thousand dollars it's it's too expensive in the first watch was very expensive and didn't have maps and music so it was an easy thing to complain about it lasted very well battery life but you know the phoenix was cheaper and had maps and music and still lasted pretty well mm-hmm. and so they've it's basically become garmin's top dog in their range the new one by giving it all the features and bigger battery, but it's now even by Phoenix standards, very very expensive. So it's um, you know, it's it's an acquired taste. I mean, you can get an Epics for less, and then you're getting the screen. So it's then it's a trade off of screen versus battery life. But so, but if 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 price, it was the price the same as the Phoenix Seven X. It's a superior watch. It's the same watch with more battery. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Good. Simple. Well, look forward to. Have you done a review of that? You're still doing it. Done a first look. I've, I've, got to, I've got to kill it. That's the problem for the review. So, <laughs> right. I, you know, I've got to get through the battery at least twice. So that's taking me ages. And, and I'm, I'm on a bit of a down week at the moment. So just looking at it, just not moving. And I go, oh, I, need, I need to run. I need to, I need to murder this watch. Mm. So it's proving tricky. Nice. Okay, well, we'll look forward to that one eventually. <laughs> uh, okay, and then another big, I say big launch. It's sort of this floating around for ages, the news of this shoe. And that's the uh, Nike Pegasus Turbo Next Nature which has been, I, I think I've seen sort of leaked pictures of it on Instagram for the, like the past few months, but nobody yeah. really knew that much about it. And it's and it's out now, it's released, and we've we've got the shoe. And I think the, the, it, people are excited because it was a return of the Turbo range, which yeah. for many people is one of their favourite shoes that's ever existed. I've done a run in it, you've done a run in it. Nick, what is, you, you haven't got this, have you, Jill? No, but I love the turbo, so I'm mm. I'm hopeful. Please tell me it's as good as the turbo. It's not you as good. Want, as the turbo. You might want to close your ears now. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so, I've so, well the, it, the, it uses recycled Zoomex foam, and I'm, I'm a bit unclear as to where that recycled foam comes from. I've heard it was like on the floor of a factories and stuff like that, and they sort of pull it together. Yeah, it doesn't seem. It seems they can't get enough Zoomex foam to do that. I don't think for the number of shoes they're probably can mm. producing. But Nick, what did you think to it? 
Uh, it's interesting. Like on paper, it looks amazing. Like the Pegasus Turbo's back, and now it's recycled is brilliant. Brilliant news all around. I the ride is much firmer, and you know it's um, less impressive than normal ZoomX foam. Obviously, the original Peg Turbo was a combination of foams. It was ZoomX with React foam on the bottom mm-hmm. to increase the durability, but you felt ZoomX underfoot, and that's what made it feel so nice. And it was lighter. So this new shoe's not heavy. It's not bad. Uh, it, it pairs this recycled ZoomX with the SRO2 carrier foam that basically has become the blight of all Nike shoe fans. And there you go. Every time there's a really exciting shoe comes out, it goes, oh, it's also got this foam in it. Oh, okay. That's a shame. And it's got a... Okay, right. I was... Because you and Mike had used it, Tom, and, and, and rather, you know, just you know, not being very positive, I was winning with quite low expectations. I thought it was a bit bouncier than I expected. And I'm hoping that you can beat a bit of life into that recycled mm. ZoomX over time. I'd say my main concern is... The Piba-based ZoomX phone um, is is not, it's not hard, I don't think, to recycle Piba in lots of different ways. I, I don't necessarily know if this is anything that necessary from Nike to recycle the scraps from their factories and make it like they could just recycle yeah. it in another way. And I don't know, there is a lot of you know, stuff lying around. them using the ZoomX name to try and sell shoes, but they've got a different feel. And it's, I don't know, it, it all seems like there's a lot of this recycled ZoomX going around and making shoes that don't feel like what people expect. So it's completely, just don't don't call it the Pegasus Turbo Nature necessarily because it's not really going to be what people are expecting going in. I think that's part of the problem they're going to have here. But who knows, maybe we'll get better. <laughs> do you think, I was going to say, do you, so do you think it bears anything kind of resemblance of the Pegasus or the Pegasus Turbo or is it just that they brought that name out because everyone loved it and so they kind of shoved it in with that group? I, I, I think there's very, very little in common with the original Pegasus Turbo, it doesn't feel like it to me. And I, I kind of feel that if you're going to release a new version of one of the world's favourite ever shoes that they've been desperate to get for so long, ch- changing the, the makeup of that shoe and almost redesigning that shoe is a very strange thing to do because it almost suggests that it's a marketing thing over the actual design of the shoe. I think if they released it as a different shoe, it might it might be less disappointing for some people than calling it the turbo because imagine a lot of people have bought might buy it and then they'll get it and they go this doesn't feel anything like the turbo which isn't a bad thing if it's not the turbo yeah you know you, you can't you, you can't sort of use the name and and come back with it because that it was such a fantastic shoe i think they've got there's, there's three shoes that have come out this year like they've got zoom x all over them written all over them everything they use was using zoom x so you've had the zoom fly 5 which was a zoom x core recycled zoom x core surrounded by a not very good eva foam and it was a very heavy shoe that's I haven't really enjoyed using it at all. And then the ZoomX Zagama, the trail shoe, which I think uses fresh ZoomX. It's not uh, it's not um, the recycled stuff, but again, heavily surrounded by another foam, which means it loses that kind of feeling. And then, yeah, the Pegasus Turbo ZoomX, uh, mm-hmm. Zoom uh, Nature, which, uh, again, is recycled stuff, and there's more of it, and it's clearly a ZoomX midsole, but it's recycled stuff. It's, I know there's a lot. You know, they finally brought ZoomX to another shoe in the Invincible when everyone loved it, and I thought that would have set the tone. For, I mean, if they really are short of ZoomX, why do mm. they release the biggest cushion shoe in the world using it, the easy shoe? So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I'm hoping the Peg Turbo Nature will, will liven up a bit after a few runs, mm. and there's a good chance it will because maybe it just needs a bit more breaking in, this recycle stuff. But it all seems a slightly odd strategy with shoes that has resulted in you know people being quite down on Nike releases this year yeah. when normally this phone would be very exciting thing for everyone to use yeah yeah well i just think that if you have the recycled element of it is obviously a nice feature and at some point we may all be using recycled shoes in the future but don't call it the same thing as another shoe that already <laughs> exists that is different because it takes away from the fact that you've got a recycled shoe because yeah if, if they just like all birds released their uh tree flyer wasn't it 
and that's a very firm shoe and it, we talked about that and you can't really use it for longer distance stuff because it's just really firm and, and not really designed for that this is better than that so you know it's it's got a value in it it's got a, quite a balance between the sustainability and the performance but it's just it's not the turbo which is which is my problem basically i said i said in the review i'd, I'd i want to love it but it's just not there for me yet okay so, so the review will be very positive it breaks in at like 20 miles <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Well, you'll, you'll you'll get to that with your enduro training, won't you? You're you're going to be the best best place for the the mileage. Um, okay, let's let's dip into another fact. Running, Running facts. facts. And I don't, to be honest, this one. And I should have said this earlier that none of these are verified in any way whatsoever. So they might be utter nonsense. Apparently, twenty percent of Earth's inhabitants don't have a marathon gene. Apparently, researchers at Loughborough University said this, and um, they can train all they want, but they it won't help them win. I don't know what that means, winning. That's, I feel like we're one step away from you saying, according to boffins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just have one question, really, is how do I get the gene testing? <laughs> yeah. That would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Should we all stop? <laughs> yeah, because otherwise, I mean, what's the point, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's I can't, I can't see that actually being true but the university has uh, got their name against it although i don't know if that's verified either so there we go useful another useful fact for you for running there are any up the road i'll go and ask him it's fine yes please yes if you could uh, just go to reception right okay let's get into the, the the big question of the day i mean mentioned at the start of this that we're this we're focusing a little bit more on marathons uh, in this episode so let's talk marathon shoes what are we and I know Nick's been struggling with this. It's actually been stressing him out quite a lot to the point where he's annoying me about it now. Uh, every day he's a bit worried about what to go for. Uh, so let's start with Jill. So it ah. gives you a bit more time to think, Nick. What <laughs> shoe are you going for in your autumn marathons? Hmm. Well, that is a good question. I have a long time to procrastinate about this and London to test it out in. So up until recently, I think I would have gone for the New Balance Fuel Cell RC Elite it is now it's not such a clear cut one but i ran in the adidas pro 2 and the alpha fly for a couple of races last year and ended up with some like foot discomfort and i love the pro 2 for shorter races um but then i went back to the fuel cell because it's just so comfortable and when i got a brand box fresh pair it was i felt like tigger um so although they're not the lightest i just felt like i needed that fail safe but that was because the next percent was still quite expensive at that point. Now we've had the Saucony Pro 3, mm. Endorphin Pro 3, and obviously the Nike next percent they apply are cheaper. <laughs> so <laughs> that has thrown a whole load of problems into the mix. I thought your answer um, was going to be simple. That's why I went to you first. Yeah, but, no, yeah. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I know. Problem is, so the, net, the Vaporfly next percent, it just feels like if all else fails, that one is always going to be a gimme on the day. It's always going to work. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get discomfort like you might do in some of the other ones other, other than the Saucony. The Saucony is probably the closest to that, I guess, these days, which I was surprised about when we tested it. But I, I think if I was if I was ever dithering, I think I'd still probably just about, if they're still of a good price, the, the Nike next percent, mm-hmm. they fly to... <laughs> would probably what I'd just be like, oh, I'm just going to go back to that. This is the problem. Everyone's okay. got such a good record of Nike now. Everyone just goes, oh, just really comes to it. Gut check. <laughs> One caveat. 
if if I could get hold of a pair of four percents in my size, I would absolutely oh, just go with I still think they're the best. Sorry. Amazing. I never <laughs> tried those. I think that's an absence that so makes the heart grow fond because I've, I've still got some looking around. I, I did use them thinking, oh, I remember how great these are and yeah, they, they, aren't, they aren't as good as I remember. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, sorry, I haven't given you a very clear answer. Nick, go. <laughs> I mean, same exact problems. I mean, I'm at the point where I, the problem is when you review shoes and you talk about a shoe and you say how good it is and you say this is the best one and I, there are some shoes like that and uh, and then you come to your marathon you go, well, yeah, I do think it's the best one but I don't necessarily want to use it because uh, I've got a record with something. So yeah, uh, so I was heading into marathon season intending to use one of the Endorphin Pro 3 and the Alpha Flight 2. Uh, I think Endorphin Pro 3 was my top pick. I think it just works really well for me. It's really lightweight. It's a bit more cushioned than the Vaporfly. And it just, I think I was going to basically use that. And then and then, <laughs> then on my birthday on eBay, uh, a pair of Alpha Fly 1s popped up in the blue color. I've always wanted but never got. And um and they were quite cheap and I just and I, they're brand new when I bought them they're they're with the eBay authenticators now to make sure I'm not getting scanned and I might just use those because even though I don't think you know all chips are down I'm not sure they're actually as good as the new breed of shoes the Alfly ones but I um I ran my two twenty nine in them I had a good run in London in them before I had some weird stuff unrelated to shoes that stopped me you know I hit a kind of weird wall towards the end so I think. Even though I wouldn't advise people to do this, I might just use the Alpha Fly 1 again because they're my favourite colour. And because I've got Valentin, I've got two shots. I think it's going to be Alpha Fly 1 for one and the Endorphin Pro 3 for the other, probably. Good, good, long answer. <laughs> but that will all change by the time this podcast released. So no, we're not going to discuss also, it again next month. I've also done a 22, I've done a 20 and a 24 miler in the Alpha Fly 2, both of which went really well. And the second one, I was absolutely out. I was like not feeling great. And I, it just dragged me through at some quite good pace towards the end. I thought, ah, this is great. Brilliant shoe. Should use this, but. Not gonna. <laughs> the so much in the mind. So yeah, much. I, I actually think if if any if the Endorphin Pro Three or the Alpha Two came in that shade of blue, probably be using them. But I think at this stage, you just got to go with make sure feel good. So <laughs> light blue. Um, <laughs> quick question for you then on the Alpha Fly Two because this goes on to my choice of shoe. Mm. Is the Alpha Fly Two? Does it have the arch fit issue of it's the Alpha Fly One? It's uh, it is still a bit like that. It's a bit what well, basically they made the Alpha Two more accessible. Uh, so they, the reason why it's, it's, I think it is an improvement overall is that it's more, it's wider, it's more accessible, it's got a higher drop, and I think it will work for more people. But because I already like the original and the new one's a bit heavier and doesn't come in blue, I'm just going to go back to the original. I think, but yeah, the arch it's still got a high arch. It's part of the design of the shoe almost. I think to force you into a slightly better position when you're tired, but um, it's not as noticeable certainly in the new version. And it's, it's also just way too expensive. I, I, I basically think the Alpha 2, I think as much as I think it's an amazing shoe and maybe the fastest in the straight line marathon you'll ever come across, I would probably say no one should buy it because it's 280 quid and there are shoes that are basically as good, if not better for you for well under half that. You can get the, like I got the Alpha 3 for 100 quid. Don't go on eBay all the time. It's a bit risky, but you, you can get like the Vaporfly for like 120, 130. And yeah, I, um, I think it's hard, very hard to sell the new Alpha Fly in those in that market condition. Okay. <laughs> How about you, good. Tom? Easy answer. Socrates Endorphin Pro 3. Done. Next section. <laughs> unless unless I get hold of the Alphafly 2 and I like it. I, I went out for a run, an interval session yesterday, yeah. and I picked up my Alpha Flies and put them on, and I felt the rub, uh, like, you know, pressing against my arch, Yeah. which I remember from Bill Bow was a bit of a scary moment when I did about 5K and 
the first time I'd worn those alpha flies. The first testament um, to the alpha fly that you, they you, they were hurting you and they fell apart during the run and you still PB quite comfortably. <laughs> yeah, but I don't I don't want to risk that again. So I think I'm just going to go uh, suck on the endorphin pro threes because I'm absolutely loving them for any run that I'm using them for at the moment. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. I've said it before in review. What I like about them is that talking is not overcomplicated things. They haven't got like a, a shorter distance racing shoe and a longer distance racing shoe, yeah. and they're not weirdly heavy or you know not because they're just this is the best racing shoe. It's perfect for all distances. Go and use it, and it it does work really well. Okay, so we'll do this as a quick one then because we probably don't need so much discussion around it. But what watch are you going to wear for your marathon, Jill? Um, I only have one watch, I'm afraid, which is the Garmin Vivo Active 3. It's not the best watch. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but it's the only one I have. <laughs> not the best watch, but a very easy answer. I yeah. like that. Nick's probably going to talk about 14 watches now. Watch Nick, is easy. Which watch is going to be after the Enduro because you still tested it. Well, if I can't take the Enduro off, I'll be lugging <laughs> it around Berlin. But uh, no, the, the um, Epics, Epics 2 is my watch. And if okay. I take music, I might put on another watch just for the music because unlike Jill, I have way too many watches and I feel like a real, like, <laughs> well, yeah. I can't use the word in the podcast. I, think, I don't think we've got an explicit rating. Have we? <laughs> well, I'm glad Mike's not on this one because he would have been going on for ages. I think he's testing about 12 watches at the moment. Always, yeah. Yeah. I'm going for 955. I really, really like the 955 at the moment. Yeah. Unless Garmin calls it back before then. <laughs> I'm hoping not. I'm hoping Very stressful not. time. <laughs> Yeah, I might test. I might actually put some music on it this time. And then just a quick overview, a couple of um, things we've covered on the channel recently. Hocker Mac 5, we've done our review of that shoe. Jill, you've not tested Hocker Mac 5, have you? No. Uh, we'll do this one. Uh, quick overview, Nick. What do we brilliant think of Hocker Mac 5? Yeah, brilliant shoe. Probably the best, I think, non-plated, like speedy training and general training shoe at the moment, mm. I'd say. Be probably be the marathon shoe I'd use if, I, if when carbon plates get banned. <laughs> yes that's what i was going to ask you perfect <laughs> about you tom you like it as well don't you i think it's fun yeah it's one of the best all-rounder shoes i've ever tried i, I, I love running in it it's fantastic and then what's this puma shoe on here Did... that's a uh, jill's puma xx I, 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 I was looking at it thinking that you you just <laughs> like put those some x's in because uh you didn't know the rest of the name you were going to fill it in later it's puma, okay, puma xx yeah, it's a special design shoe for women, supposedly using a last designed specifically for women's feet with narrower heel, more support specifically in the areas that women need it. Unfortunately, I really, really wanted to like this because of the ethos behind it. And that whole thing about, you know, lots of sports testing has been done on men historically and you know, having something that's specifically for women is great. However, A, I don't know if it's a necessary thing and you know, let's not be wasting our time if it's not necessary. Um, but also, it's just a really bad shoe, which is really annoying. <laughs> um, I've heard, like, you know, you guys rave on the channel about the the nitro foam. Hmm. And there is, like, literally no return in this shoe, as far as I can tell. Uh, there are a few shoes which I think put me off running. I like to run. This <laughs> shoe puts me off running, which sounds... I'm, I'm so disappointed at having to say that. It's got this kind of weird thing where it's supposed to be um, like a, it's called a firm density rim that gives proper alignment. So it's supposed to like guide your feet. But actually what it is, is a big chunky piece of plastic that goes around the back of your heel that's sort of lightly attached, but probably doesn't actually do that much. It's just enough to be heavy and slightly annoying and looks a bit cyborgy. Um, mm. It's got an eight millimeter drop. So it's sort of fairly, you know, it's meant to rock you forward, but it doesn't really weight wise, 247 grams. So it's not that light. And, you know, other people are doing women-specific shoes. There's Outer have been doing it for years, and their shoes are a lot lighter if you want to go down that route. Or you've got, what is it, the Ultra Boost 22, which wasn't light, but people love. So I just feel like, oh, you could have done a lot better. You've got some good shoes. Why have you not done that, but in a women's fit 
Yeah, it does sound like the only bad shoe in the Nitro range. Yeah. There was the oh, women's shoe. I wasn't shoe. expecting this. <laughs> Sorry, it's really bad. <laughs> I was so oh, excited. Good. Well, we've got to get you in um, um, the other one to see if maybe yeah. maybe you just don't like Nitro. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I might have been slightly also, you know, affected by the fact that I got that and the Saucony Endorphin Pro 3 on the same day. You lift the Endorphin Pro 3 out of the box and you can, you know, you barely feel it. It's so light. And you lift the um, Puma XX out and it is like a brick in comparison. Um, so there may be some of that. But I've tried various runs. I've tried runs with people to take my mind off it. And all I can think of is this shoe is really uncomfortable. <laughs> so. Enough. Oh, well. Less, less said about that, better then. <laughs> uh, I'm not that grumpy about all shoes, I promise. <laughs> um, and then Nick, Triumph 20, give me a few lines. What, what do we think to it? Uh, really good, really good cushion shoe in this kind of, you know, the big premium cushioned category, you know, brand's most expensive shoes often. It's right up there, I think, with the Glycerin 20 and the Invincible. It's one of my favourite cushion shoes. And although I'm not a huge user of them. I think this is, I was, I will say, I was like a Triumph user when I first started running. They ran my first races and then I think they'd serve new runners really well for everything. But yeah, you love them as well, don't you, Tom? I think they're fantastic. Yeah, just just about to put up the full review. So that should be up by the time people listen to this podcast. But yeah. I've got them too. I really like them. Oh, Waxing okay. lyrical. Oh, you've got these as well. Oh, yeah. 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 Really good. Just <laughs> great, you know, long distance, easy running shoes, do exactly what they need to do. Fantastic. Okay, I think that'll do for uh, gear this month. Okay, guys, it's the questions section where we answer questions from listeners or viewers of the channel. And we say this every time, we get a lot of questions on the channel and quite often we don't get the opportunity to answer them. But a lot of the questions sometimes pop up multiple times because loads of people want to know it. So this section is designed so that we can answer a lot of those questions in bulk and yeah tick them off so if you've got a question then you can just comment on our videos or send us an email at the runtesters at gmail.com okay so let's jump into the first one this is from ollie hughes friend of mine he mm-hmm. says what shoe would you pick for running a half marathon less debate this time nick adidas adios pro 2 uh wow 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 well, how long have we got any of the lighter carbon shoes would probably of the top ones Pro 3, Vaporfly 2, Alphafly. I'm still going, those I'm still going Vaporfly. <laughs> Vaporfly yeah. 2. Cool. Adios rocks you forward faster. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think so. I like the Adios. I've won a I half like marathon in the Adios. I I've not tried. Is, is that the 2 you're talking about? Yeah, I don't have the 3. Um, the 3 I is. The 2 is much more aggressive on the rocking than the, I haven't and tried less the on two. the comfort. I did feel the rocker on the on the first one was fairly aggressive. I don't think it's on the three. The three seems a little bit more marathon, uh, okay. marathon, based. marathon focus. Yeah, big a big boy. The three, a bit too, a bit too plump. The Takumi Sen actually is a very good marathon shoe in Adidas's range. The Takumi Sen, I've done the half marathon in that. Oh, yeah. If you want a light feel, remember when I said less discussion? Um, <laughs> so another question we've got Nehal uh, Nehal Lave Khan, and they're asking um, how would you compare the Mac Five and the Rincon Three? Am I the only person who's tried these? At the yeah, I haven't used the Rincon 3. I would say they're quite similar in a lot of ways. They have the same level of, they feel about the same weight. They're both quite conducive to running fast. But the Rincon 3 is a very simple shoe. And really the, the major benefits of it is that it's got this light, this lighter feel to it and a chunk of lightish feeling foam. Whereas the Hocker Mac 5 just feels propulsive, efficient. It just feels like a, a fast, lightweight race shoe. So Rincon 3 is a good shoe, but it doesn't compete with the Mac 5 when it comes to 
faster efforts and, and even racing. Ray Sollers, the happy jogger. He's talking about the Hocker Mac 5 again. He says, just got my got my pair and use it using it for my October marathon. Is this a good non-plated marathon shoe? I've kind of covered this already. Yeah, actually, I was, I think about the Hockermack 5, I'd say, is that if you are disappointed by the peg turbo nature, I think the Hockermack 5 is the best Nike yeah. Pegasus turbo replacement on the market. I'd agree. I definitely agree. And I reckon if Hockermack 5 came out at the same time as the peg turbo came out, it would be a really, really tough battle. Well, there was a Mac around then, but it wasn't as good as the newer one. <laughs> I need to get me some Mac, Mac 5s. We <laughs> yeah, we do. Fantastic. Okay, I don't think we can answer this one. Give it a go without Mike here. Yodito uh, Nugrahaki says, a Macefit TRX2 or Huawei GT3 or Garmin 4 on a 255. I have used all of those. The 255 is more expensive. It's a better, it is a better sports watch. I prefer the Amazfits to the Huawei's definitely. I think they've got better GPS accuracy, slightly um, more impressive sports tracking in general. The Huawei has the nicest screen. Neither the Huawei or the Amazfit are actually that smart, despite looking like smart watches with the AMOLED screen. So uh, they've got nicer screens than the Garmin, obviously, but Garmin probably has just as much. The 255 has music and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, the Garmin's most expensive. The Amazfit's the best value, and I probably wouldn't get the Huawei. Good answer, Nick. <laughs> very succinct and neat at the end there okay i've got a big question now and this isn't from an individual it's from loads of individuals but i thought we'd better address it because we get so many questions about it so this is it's about shoes but we get asked a lot when are we testing the glide ride 3 the new balance more v4 and the a6 nova blast 3 okay we, we're, as soon we're, as we can get hold of them yeah we're in the <laughs> uk so yeah. we get different release dates we often get nike earlier than the us but um the Nova Blast 3, I've been talking to ASICs about for ages, and I know it's out in the US, but we hopefully yeah. will get it in the near future. Yeah, I mean, they're all there. I mean, a Glide Ride 3, is that out in the UK yet? No, I don't think so. No. So um, they're, they're all they're all shoes that, especially for me, the more, more V4 and the Nova Blast 3 are shoes that we, we could, we'll cover a lot of, but um, yeah, we just can't get hold of them at the moment. Um, but as soon as we do, we'll have some stuff up on. We can only run channel. so many miles as well, even with marathon training. <laughs> you get told off if you run extra. <laughs> Did somebody say they wanted a fact? Oh, <gasps> yes. Running, Running facts. facts. Okay. Fact, this is the, I think this is the last fact, so relish it. Ever? Uh, no, no, no. It might be because I'm really running, really scraping the barrel for these now. Um, apparently, food scientists at St. Louis University um, prove that athletes can run faster by eating baked beetroot before they race. Uh, nitrites, nitrites. I told yeah, you no, about nitrites. <laughs> so something to do with oxygen uptake. Yeah, um, that's why they, they Leicester City used it in their in their um really? when they won the title apparently. But um, that's where you have all those beat it drinks and that. that I eat a lot of nitrites because beetroot's nice, but rocket green leafy veg, all good stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I'm so not sure it's making much th- difference. So they're healthy and they have a, a positive effect. But are they going to make you actually be better just before a race? It depends if you've got the marathon gene, apparently. Well, there we, that's true. Yeah, you've, that's what that's they good. would also do is make you panic when you go to the toilet. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, beetroot was risky on that front, especially if you get chili yeah. beetroot like I do. Oh yeah. Also, Tom, a little little tip for the future facts: don't start with apparently in that voice. It really makes you me feel like you don't respect your own facts. You, you can start, when, when I start saying apparently, you know that I'm I'm already I've already been questioning it in my own head for a while. Um, but there's a second part to this as well, which is actually another fact, um, but it's sort of related. Apparently, four time. Boston Marathon winner Bill Rogers says his secret to success is eating mayonnaise-covered pizza on race day. Now, I like this because that's sort of what I do. Uh, I mean, Wait, when of... you say on race day, 
I'm Do you mean as a recovery fuel or for breakfast? I think it's got to be for breakfast because it can't. It's secret to success can't really be. We get <laughs> loads of nice food after a, after a race. Oh. If mayonnaise um, is quite sugary, is it? I guess probably all sauces seem to be quite sugary. Yeah, it doesn't. I still... mean, so what? Yeah, I guess you've got a carbs on your base, haven't you? Mayonnaise mm. is eggs and oil, so good protein, I suppose, and fats. fats. Not you don't want fats for a marathon, though, do you? Yeah. Not... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I trust Bill Rogers. I it's think no Secret of Garley, success, is it? Yeah, I imagine yeah. Secret of Success was really good training and being quite good at running, rather than the mayonnaise pizza. No, well, you, you know, I'm going to be eating a mayonnaise pizza before <laughs> you, Chicago. With, you well, already. Chicago. It'd be a deep pan pizza. The problem with Tom problem. Is that Do we know, think he told that to all his competitors so they went? Out probably, yeah. <laughs> the problem Tom has yeah. of his marathon nutrition is he can't ever do in advance because it's entirely based on what the local specials are in the McDonald's in the city he's running in. So it can really vary very much from city <laughs> yeah, yeah. to city. And if I if I found the perfect McDonald's meal to have before a race, I would never be able to get it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cool. Okay, that's the last fact of the week. So hope you enjoyed that. A few more questions. Matt W, what do you think of the life of the Mac 5 versus the Speed 3? Which do you think would last longer? It's hard to judge this because often we don't get a chance to go through shoes. And some people use shoes at different rates. I don't tend to use shoes up, I think, because I have a narrow foot. I don't put pressure on uppers. I have my little shuffly stride that probably doesn't put as much impact on the bottom either. So I would think they'd both last me. I mean, the, the Speed 3 lasted me over 500k, no problems at all. I've been up to about 200 in the Mac in the previous version and no problems at all. So, yeah, but then some people, I have a friend who goes through shoes in like 250k reliably because I uh, don't know what it is. Maybe doesn't cut his toenails. But yeah, so I, I don't think there'd be a much difference between them, if I'm honest, but the Speed would probably last longer because it has a bit more rubber on the outsole. That's what I'd say. Okay, there's one for, one for you, Jill. Brandon M says, which do you think is the more stable shoe, Endorphin Pro 3 or the Vaporfly 2? Pro 3, probably, actually, I think. I'd, I'd say that as well, yeah. I'd say the yeah. Pro 3, yeah. I think um, they've got... Yeah, it feels very stable. I don't think I'd have any concerns cornering hard in the Pro 3, whereas, yeah. yeah cool, okay. Then Fletch, he says he's got 10K race coming up. Which should I wear, Speed 3 or Pro 2? Pro 2. Endorphin Pro, pro 2. 2. I'm, assu- I'm assuming, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I would use that for 10K myself. I know you don't yeah. like it though, Tom, do you? <laughs> I, I, one of the worst 10Ks I've ever done was wearing the Pro 2 and I hated every second of it. Okay. I wasn't very fit at the time, but it just, it just felt so firm. I just wasn't enjoying it at all. So I would go Speed 3. Okay, Miracle Warriors. Do you feel the uh, Nature Zoom X is more bouncy and softer than the A6 Blast Plus? What's it called? FF Blast Plus. FF Blast. Oh uh, no! I think I probably think no. probably think the FF Blast is more is more. I definitely say it. Yeah, I definitely say FF Blast. I think FF Blast is a really nice bouncy foam. Yeah. The Nature Zoom X, from what we've seen. Unless it breaks um, in, we're all we're all hoping for well, that big break. We could change. We'll, we'll do an update in the podcast next time if it, if it, <laughs> Nick's broken in after 100 miles and it's suddenly quite bouncy. <laughs> okay, so that'll do for questions for this month. What have we got coming up? over the next month in the world of run tester videos best garmin the big the epic oh, i'm blimey. still i'm still editing it it's taking a long time and um if there's any negative comments on it i'm gonna cry because it's so much work to edit this <laughs> trying to find cutaways from watches i haven't seen for two years and stuff like that so it's um yeah nearly there it's about 35 minutes watch every minute it's all gold excellent and then we also have our favorite kit video we did this quite a while ago and this is where each of the run testers picks their favourite kit that they've ever tried. Now, some of those are probably things that they're still using. Some of them 
probably things that don't exist anymore, like something like the, the original Nike Peg Turbo. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we, we'll be going through in that video talking about all of our favorite kit. Uh, so that will be something to watch in the next month at some point. Now, if you want to get in touch with us, um, you can email us at team at theruntesters.com where you can drop us a question that we can answer in a future podcast. Or you can get us at The Run Testers on Instagram and on YouTube at The Run Testers. Although presumably if you're listening to this, you've probably already seen that channel anyway. So that's not going to be news to you. But aside from that, Nick, Jill, thanks for being there. Thanks thanks for having us, Tom, and all your lovely facts. Yes, well, yeah. I, I think I'm going to drink I, some champagne. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Um, and we will uh, be back in plenty more videos coming in the next few days. So thanks a lot and we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye. This episode of the podcast was presented by Tom Wheatley, Nick Harris-Fry and Jill Bland. The podcast was produced by Tom Wheatley. The music is by Fear of Tigers.